my name is Dave Hollenbach, the host of From Members to Excellence, a podcast that explores the many facets of leadership from the perspectives of some amazing people. We discuss the triumphs and failures that have shaped our lives and our leadership philosophies. I've found that it isn't whether we fail that defines us, but when we do fail, how we respond. Leaders dust off the ashes and use their failures as fuel to work harder and as lessons to come back wiser and stronger, more resilient, more determined, and more committed to excellence. Today, I'm speaking with Julia Sue Jack. Julia holds a Bachelor of Architecture from Howard University and a Master's in Construction Management from Central Connecticut State University. She is a National Council of Architectural Registration Boards Certified Registered Architect and a Certified PMI Project Management Professional. She has accomplished so much in her life and one of the things that is really cool is that now later on after accomplishing all these professional goals milestones you decided to start your own movement um i am really curious to learn more about it it's the f50 woman movement um created to provoke women facing 50 and and beyond into a mindful purposeful passionate pursuit of their life career family spirit and beyond and yeah. uh it's it, it just sounds like a, a very well i don't want to restate what i just said but you know mm -hmm. it's a transport tra uh, the intention is uh for it to be transformational yes. for, for women that come and and link up with you yes and you're also a podcast host what what mm -hmm. is the title of your podcast? The the title of the podcast is F50 Woman because we're not done yet. And your your website is awesome. That link will be in the show notes. Um, just so because I know after our conversation, people are going to want to learn more about you. Uh, but just for those listening, the the link to her website it's f50woman.com. It's fifty as in the number, f as in the letter f50woman.com. So without further ado, let's dig in. Um, Julia, thank you very much for coming on the show, agreeing to have this conversation with me. And um, I, I've been looking forward to this just to get a, a different perspective. You, you took on a very male-dominated uh, occupation uh, field. Um, and I mean, you kicked ass. So like, I, I want to find out it where all me, this- It kicked me for a little while, but that's okay. <laughs> Sometimes you got to fight, yeah. <laughs> um, well, let's, let's start off with where you were born and raised and what your parents did, what, what your life was like uh, growing up. Okay, uh, my parents are, were actually born in Barbados. Beautiful, beautiful island if you've never been there. It's just beautiful. Um, my father uh, was a chemical engineer, not a chemical engineer, chemist. So he got his PhD in chemistry. 
and my mother was in finance. Um, she got her degree a little bit later after we came to the States. I was actually born in Canada. So we went from Barbados and we, they went all the way up to Canada. My dad got a teaching position up there. I was born in Nova, Sydney, Nova Scotia. And then when I was about five, we moved down here to the Northeast United States. So um, it was a, uh, for me, I think that I, I, all I know pretty much is America. My culture is, is West Indian. So the music I listened to, the food I ate was very West Indian, but you know, of course your friends influence you. So everything you, you think and do is you wanna be like your peers. Um, so that was sort of my upbringing. I am very thankful for that whole transition, just being you know, an immigrant and having West Indian parents and then being born in Canada, coming to the United States, because I feel like that was a foundation of me being able to really understand this idea of the differences between people. And it wasn't, so when now, when I, when we talk about differences of diversity and all that, I am just, it's not a thing for me. So no matter what kind of person I come in contact with, it's, I just see them as people because I'm used to being in different places with different people who think differently and talk differently and dress differently. Um, uh, you know, and I, I think that was a struggle for me earlier on. I really wanted to be like everybody else around me, but you know, you just can't be what you're not. <laughs> so, you know, you learn how to assimilate, you learn how different people talk and act. And so when, you know, I was with my family, I would do the West Indian music and, you know, have that, um, accent try to mimic my parents accent and then when I'm with my friends like I said I, then I would do what we did as you know young American children so it was it was good and probably like a lot of your guests uh, when we're young we don't always think it's good uh, if people can't see me but I'm 5'11 so I was always taller than everybody else and I was always different than everybody else but now that I'm in my later years I'm like that was actually a gift because I because you're so different, when you see other people who are different, it's just, a, it's not a thing, you know? That's really cool. So the most of your childhood, was that in Connecticut? Yes. Yep. And is that where, is that where you're at now? I am still here. I'm back in Connecticut. Yeah. I went to DC for a short while. That's where I went to college. And then I ended up coming back to Connecticut because it was familiar. So yeah. Yeah. What were some of the, you know, the the early experiences? Uh, who would you say your major influences were, um, growing up? That kind of led you to decide I'm going to Brown University. I'm, you know, I'm going to be an architect. Yeah, yeah. No, it was it was Howard, not Brown, because people are going to get excited. Oh, I'm sorry. Say, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. When you say Brown, they're going to be like, "Whoa, wait a minute." <laughs> <laughs> but. Um, I will, okay, so my, so my major influences in life and the reason I went to school to do architecture is sort of a little bit different, or very different actually. So my major influences in life were the um, Martin Luther King and the um, uh, Mother Teresa's and you know, all the ones who were doing big, really sacrificial, you know, purpose-driven work that I've always, read about them and watched their lives and thought, what is my big purposeful work in this world and how can I change lives? But that was just one of those things that started burning in you when you're younger and you don't really know what to do with it. So my major influence in going to 
um, architecture school was actually my parents because I loved math. I was just good at math and I loved art, but I really wasn't a, an artist. I didn't have that, you know, that special X factor. So they said, well, why don't you put those two together and go to architecture school? So, you know, I'm, you're at 17, 18. You're like, yeah, well, why not? Sounds like it makes sense. So um, I applied and uh, I end up, ended up going. And um, I would love to say that I fell in love with it. I think it was because it wasn't something I had thought about all my life. I wasn't, my mind wasn't in it. Um, my heart wasn't in it, but it was, it was good. It was fun. I was, you know, I just loved learning. So, so it was good. I think the one thing that was really good about architecture school that I got out of it was the ability to visualize. When I first got there, they said, design a small house in a, in a lower level underground area, something like that. And I had the hardest time trying to visualize what the spaces were, how, what the steps would look like. How do you go down? How do you go up? And so through those years, you, you start building that muscle of being able to visualize space and visualize um, what things look like and colors um, that I couldn't do before. So now it's just helps. So now it helps with my memory. When you talk to me about something, I, I just start visualizing what that looks like or who that person is. You know, I make visual pictures of things. So I think that was something that I value, I learned from going to architecture school. So, I mean, it was good. I, I, I just wasn't one of those who grew up wanting to be an architect since I was five. So it was a different kind of journey than those, than those guys. <laughs> yeah. Now, did you go straight into your graduate de degree after? Yeah. Yeah. No, no, I didn't. I no. uh, went to work. Nope. After my undergraduate school, I went to work, um, got married, had two children, stopped working for maybe four or three or four years and went back to work again. And it wasn't until I got laid off for, I don't know, maybe it was the second time, you know, how the economy dips and, and, and goes up and down. So I got laid off. Probably this is the second or third time I got laid off. And I said, you know what? It seems like those construction guys over there make more money than we do. <laughs> So I figured I'll go get a construction management degree and it can, at the very least, it'll help me to understand that side of what we do. Uh, so, and I loved it. I, uh, I, my favorite part of this whole work that I do now is getting out there and, and just smelling the dirt and seeing the dirt and watching the trucks. I just love that part. If I was to go back, I don't know if this is the question, but I'm going to just tell you now. <laughs> if I was to go back, as a younger person, I would want, I would go into construction. I would want to be a construction person and just start from the bottom, sweeping the floors, you know, then uh, nailing in the, um, the boards, putting up drywall. I would just start from the bottom and learn the ins and outs of how to put things together. I would love that. But back then when I was in college, I mean, I didn't see any women out there on the construction site. It was just all men. And I was not one of those people who said, I want to be a boundary breaker. I wasn't one to, to break the lines and do anything out of the norm. So I, did, I didn't do it. Um, I know some of my male colleagues in college, they would do construction in the summer. And I was always so jealous. I was like, no, I want to do that too. But I just, there were no women doing it. And, you know, that's why it's good for women who are doing things that are out of the norm to try to show themselves so other young girls can say oh you can do we can do that too no way 
I, I read that there there were several transitions, mm-hmm. you know, after you went into the workforce, and yeah. you kind of touched on those a little bit. But can can you walk yeah. me through those different transitions and really how how those affected your your overall life and mm-hmm. and if you can take me to that point where you you started to say, okay, you know, who am I? Yes, absolutely. So there are a lot of little transitions. I mentioned when I I got out of school, I graduated undergrad. Um, I worked for about two years, then I got married and I had uh, my first child. And so, you know, sometimes when you have your first child, you just want to stay home with them. You just want (laughs) to hang out with them all day. So I stayed home with him. Then I had my daughter and I, I, so I stayed home for, like I said, maybe three or four years. And then when I was going back, then I went back to uh, working in architecture. And the challenge there was that you were gone for three years, but you aged and they noticed that you had graduated five years ago. So people expected you to be able to do what a, a professional with five years of experience could do, but you really only had two because you weren't in the field for those three years. So piece of advice for those who are in architecture, women or men who take time off for their kids, stay in the game while you're raising your kids, read books, do seminars, just stay um, abreast of what's going on and keep your skills going. So when you go back, you're ready to jump right in. Um, Because I I feel like that was a time when people were surprised that I couldn't do what a five-year veteran could do. So that was difficult. Um, then I, I started working and um, th- it was just layoff. I just remember working for a while and getting laid off, then working for a little while, getting laid off again. So, you know, I worked in architecture. I got laid off. I went to another smaller architecture firm. I got laid off. I went to an interior design firm. I got laid off. <laughs> After a while, you started thinking, what is wrong with me? <laughs> I'm getting laid off all the time. Um, and then after I got laid off in the, in uh, then... Then I actually chose to switch from an architecture firm I was working for to go into uh, construction program management. So it, it was a construction company who was managing the school's program for the city. Um, so I, lo- I absolutely loved that job, but they lost the contract after a couple of years. You know, every couple of years, the city had to, to put out the bid again to see if uh, somebody else wanted to compete for the contract. So I, I was, um, so I, was I laid off? Oh yeah, so I was laid off then because they had lost the contract. And that was about 2019 uh, when the economy just absolutely crashed. So getting jobs was like little to none. But I went to the unemployment office or, or whatever the office was called. I don't, yeah, it was my unemployment office. And I met someone and they said, there's this workforce board for the cent- center, central Connecticut and they're looking for somebody to write a construction report. So that was right up my alley. It was a two month gig. It was just a short term thing, but listen, I, I don't like being made off. I like to be, try to work for some money. So I, I got into that organization. And then after a, a couple of months, they liked the work that I was doing. So they said, well, we have a program called the Jobs Funnel. And the Jobs Funnel basically helps young men and women uh, get into the construction trades. Um, helps them to get their GED if they don't have that. It helped them to get trade training in the trades. It helped them with anything they needed to be helped with. 
help with, uh, job skills, resume writing, everything that you needed to do to be employable in the construction industry. Um, so I was able to get into that position at, as a, an assistant to the director, and it was the best job I can say. And listen, I love my job now. So if anybody's listening, I love, I do really love my job now. But that was the best experience job-wise I've ever had. It was the first time that I feel like I used my skills. Now remember, Martin Luther King, Mother Teresa, those were the, um, uh, you know, the people I really um, admired. So in this position, it was the first time that I used my skills and I could see lives being changed. You know, people who didn't have jobs, who were on um, state, uh, state assistants, who didn't feel like they had a future, now were able to come learn the basic skills, learn how to write resumes, learn how to interview well, learn and learn to trade with their hands. They could use their hands and their feet and their strength to, to work. And then when you watch them graduate, their kids came. You know, you hear about uh, young men who got their families back and they got visitation rights because now they're employed and their parents are proud of them. And so it was just changing lives. It was changing their life, their parents' lives, and the children's lives. So it was almost, you could see it changing lineages of people. And it just was so fulfilling because you were actually helping real people. You know, you weren't just building big buildings, which matter because we all need buildings to live in. To When we're sick, we need a building to go to. So they're important. But this time you were helping the people who will be building the buildings. And it was just so amazing. I loved that job. I loved the job. But then, you know, that's that's a funded position with grants and things. So, the, you know, grants, sometimes they have a lot, sometimes they don't have a lot. So I had to, um, when I saw the writing on the wall, I did not want to be unemployed again. So I said, I have to go back to architecture. So at that point, I got a job with a company, an engineering company that did project control. So that's basically cost control schedules, um, report writing for, um, at that point, it was a railway project. It wasn't a building project, it was a horizontal project. I love that job as well. And what, what, you'll, what I'll sum up to say is that all of these different jobs and transition taught me something new. And this job was teaching me how to write reports, how to track the schedules and how to um, track the budgets and, and um, you know, just all those cost control, schedule controls, all those things you need to do to make a productive and successful project. And it was just focused on that alone. And um, so that was just, and that's when I got my PMP, my project management professional certification. And I, I love that job too. I, the jobs that I got later in my life, I just love them because as you get older, you start to realize this is actual This is actually valuable tools that I get to put in my toolbox. I'm learning something new. I, I love learning new things. And so um, now that's about the fifty about the fifty year mark, fiftieth birthday mark. So um, in December two thousand seventeen. My father passed away just before or just after his 79th birthday. And, um, you know, I don't, it, it, you just feel like your, your parents will just live forever. I don't know why, but I just thought he would live forever. He was sick for a while, so I was taking care of him, but his mind was sharp as a tack. I said, he is not going anywhere. 
But then one morning, we, you know, at, the night before, we were talking about movies, we were in there with the kids, and we were having such a good time, and then we all went to bed. But that night when he tried to come up the stairs would be the last time that he would be alive. So he passed away that evening. Um, we woke up and he had fallen down on the floor. I said, you know, Dad, don't worry, I'll help you get up. Um, but this time he just didn't get up. So that was devastating, not only because you lose your dad, but because he's 79. And I, six months later, was turning 50. And that those first 50 years went by like a flash of light. And so if I only have 25, 30 more years on this planet, I need not to waste not one more minute, not one more second. You know, the life is too short. That, that's when you start realizing, wait a minute, life is really, really, really short. So at that point, I, you know, I felt like my career, when I looked over the, the, what had happened, I had to evaluate what's going on because I was jumping side to side like in all these different things, but I wasn't rising to where I hoped that I would be at that point. So, you know, I did a lot of self-evaluation, self-reflection. It was just uh, sort of a tormented time a little bit. I don't want to say, yeah, it was tormented a little bit because you try to figure out, I don't have much time. What have I been doing? Where am I going? Should I stay in architecture? I mean, I got to the point where I was like, I'm just going to go do something silly. I'm going to go sell jewelry, do something, you know, where you don't have to think too much. Um, but then it, then it hit me because like I said, I did a lot of self-evaluation and I went through an, a process um, where I tried to figure out what my purpose was. Why am I here? And so I've always wanted to help other women, young women, older women, and I said, how can I help younger women in this profession? You know, we complain there's not enough women in the room in this profession. You know, I got tired of being the only one in the room in all the meetings. But how can I help another woman get where I am if I leave? If I just drop, drop my tools and leave the building, how am I going to open the door for them? So I said, listen, this is what I'm going to do. I'm going to stay and I'm going to get my license. Because at that point, I didn't have my architecture license. I had started doing it years before. I got past a couple exams. They changed the version. So you have to start the exams over. Um, so I just said, never mind, I'm not going to do it. But now I said, this is it. This year, I'm going to get my exams and nothing's going to stop me. So I picked up the exam. I got courses and I just decided I'm going to put my head down. And this year, I'm going to finish all seven of those exams. So that in 2000. Uh, I'm losing 2018, 2019, I think it was something like 2019, I just finished all those exams in eight months and, and, and uh, got my license. And it was, it was good because it was one of those things when you get out of college, that was your plan. You know, that was probably like 30 years ago. I planned to do that and I never did it. And now I did. But the reason why I was able to do it is because there was a purpose behind it that was not just about me. One of the things that I, I find myself talking about a lot in these interviews mm -hmm. is this realization that I had um, when when I went through a major shift in, in my yeah. life and I, I was forcefully retired from the mm -hmm. fire service. I, I made a couple of mistakes and, mm -hmm. um, you know, my opinion shouldn't have led to my early retirement but um, right. it did and 
I had to make adjustments and I, I went through a really dark time. Um, and, and you have to face that where all, all these years I've envisioned my, this is my identity. I'm a, I'm a firefighter yes. and this is, yeah. you know, my, my job, my purpose in, in life is to go save people, to, to make people's worst day a little bit better. And, yeah. um, and then I didn't have that anymore. So yeah. it's, it's that big question, like, who am I? Right. Yeah. Like, really, who am I? And, yeah. and what, you know, what is my purpose? And, and I had already been reading a lot of philosophy. Um, mm -hmm. I've, I've studied different religions throughout my life. Mm -hmm. Um, different philosophies you know when I was in the Navy I I got introduced to Camus and Sartre and Nietzsche and existentialism mm -hmm. and all this stuff and and so I found myself kind of tracing my steps back away from that to earlier mm -hmm. history and I mean you can go back to early Asian philosophy and mm -hmm. uh, the the Stoics and when you have people that spend time thinking and reflecting on the purpose of life, the meaning of yeah. life, and yeah. it's all there, you know, and, and you can go back and read it. And there is this common thread throughout mm -hmm. history that our purpose mm -hmm. is to add value to those around us. Yeah. And only way you can do that is to first add value to yourself you yeah. know invest in yourself so that you're better able to add value to those around you and yeah. if if you come to that realization early on in life mm -hmm. i think that you can avoid a lot of the negative experiences yes yeah um, i agree you know, and, and you find out that it doesn't matter your occupation yeah. if your real goal is to add value to those around you. I mean, especially if you surround yourself with good people and you can yeah. learn from everyone around you. And add, it's just, yeah. it, it's an amazing thing. And, it, and I, it, it's one of those things where you come to these realizations later on in life and it's like youth is wasted on the young. You know? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yes. I, that's, I hear that in my head all the time and I'm like, I still get it now. <laughs> yes. <laughs> yes. But you're absolutely right. It's uh, once you find that purpose that you talked about, you can take that wherever you go. It doesn't matter what you do. Yeah. What you do is just sort of the icing on the cake, but you take that purpose everywhere you go and you can do it anywhere. Yeah, I agree. Tell me a little bit more about what you're doing now, how you are helping women transform their lives. What is maybe a common thread that you've found that, mm -hmm. that women 
either are are they questioning their are they questioning their purpose are they questioning you know their accomplishments was that worth it or like what is i'm just curious what women that you're encountering and working with what is the major work that you're you're helping them with yes that's a good question right now at this phase because it's so new i think well not i think the ladies that i come in contact now are very much aware of where they've been i've noticed because i've interviewed and talked to women who are not quite 50 yet and when you're they're younger they're not as open with their real story they haven't really taken time it's something about hitting that 50 where you look back and you start evaluating your whole process up to the point you are at, at, at right now so i feel like the women that i've encountered really understand where they've been and understand where they want to go. Now I say that because the women that I have encountered for the most part are coach types, um, business leaders, people who are in positions who where you really need to kind of self-evaluate continually. Now the women in my life who are 50 or who are 50 and over, who are not, who are just, for the lack of a better word, just regular people. So they're not people who are actually purposely trying to help other people. They tend to um, be a little bit stuck in who I've always been. There isn't really this evaluation of, okay, all right, Julia, I've been doing that for 50 years now. Okay, so what are we going to do different? You're going to just be like, like that for the rest of your life? You know, take it up another level where you're, you know, if you, if you tend to have outbursts, why are you doing that? What do you want to be different? And really just think about who you are. And the reason why I'm so passionate about that is because at some point, we as women have to become the elder women, the women who in society who are going to be able to help the younger women to be better. But if we're still acting like younger women, then what, what's the point of you, you know? And you've had so much life. You know, we just went through all the different things I went in life. We didn't go through each of the details, but each year there was something that I learned. There was something I fell over. There was some hardship I had that I got, overcame that when you're younger, you just don't have that experience. And even with you and your career, your experience was better than the master's degree. Really, honestly, because I've done the thing. I mean, you could read the book on the thing, but I've done the thing. I know what the people look like when I go into the house or do whatever I do. And so women who have gone through 50 or more years of life, you have skills that, and knowledge and um, strength that only life can teach you. But I don't know if women are aware of their place. You know, you get to a point where you should get to a place where you now are valuable because of what you've gone through. And there's somebody who's about to go through that who needs you. And like you were saying, our purpose here is to help the other people around us. But if you're still stuck in me and my and mine zone, 
trying to compete with the younger girls who have the nicer butt and the, you know, dyeing your hair and trying to put the thing on to get rid of the wrinkles. And you're still focused on all that stuff that we were focused on when we were 20. You have nothing to add. You're just, you're all in the same, you're in the same place 20 year olds are in. And so what's the point of all that life? So I'm, I'm passionate about just wanting women to just grow up. And that's not meant to be an insult. That's meant to be, let it go. You're supposed to turn gray. You're supposed to wrinkle unless you took really good care of yourself. Well, I think you should take good care of yourself. And you know, Dave, I wanna look good in my jeans just like everybody else, but it's not my focus anymore. My focus is how can I be better me? Stop, stop doing the same stupid things you've been doing for 50 years. It's not getting you anywhere. There's, it's, there's no point to it. There's no point to me trying to fit in, you know, a size two jean so I can look cute. It's just, I'm married, everything's good. I mean, if you're not married, then try to look in the good in the jeans, that's fine. <laughs> but we have, we have so much value, you know, and I don't, I'm not a historian and I've probably only seen some movies, but you think of Native American culture and how they show that the, um, the older women in the community are valued. Whereas I feel like in our communities, it's like, go away, go sit down over there, grandma, you know, sit down, shut up, just be quiet and go in the nursing home, just, you know, throw them away. And I think we just need to take our position and help people to understand that we have something to share with you before we leave. What's the point again? Dave, of living 50, 60, 70, 80 years, and then you take all that information and you die with it. What was the point? You know, so, <laughs> so I, I hope I answered the question, but my hope is, because this is really new, my hope is, is to inspire women 50 and over to take it up another level. Let's get over it, own your story, know your purpose, and take that and Make yourself better as best you can be until you die and then turn back and help the younger women to do the same. That brings me to the question that I, I told you I was gonna ask you. Yeah. In, in these three phases of your life where you mm -hmm. had your formative years from you know, birth until you went away to college and then college years through the, the early professional years where you cut your teeth in the business. And then mm -hmm. that third phase that led you to where you are now, the most important or most valuable lesson that you learned in mm -hmm. those three phases of your life. Okay. Yeah. So I think that the, not I think, I say that a lot. The most valuable lesson I learned in that first phase of my life is that differences don't matter. Differences in, in culture, language, regions, it, it just really doesn't matter. We're just all people. And I've seen successful, smart, super intelligent people who were just fundamentally unhappy. And I've seen very, very poor people who are extremely happy, which you would think wouldn't be. So I, I feel like in that phase, that's what I learned. Uh, the second phase, what did I learn in that phase? Um, 
I, I learned that, how can I put it? I learned that you can do anything. I think that's how I would put it. And I say that because that phase is when you're trying to find yourself, um, you're trying to figure out where you fit in, you're trying to figure out what job to do. There are times when you don't have enough money or you don't have enough food. And there's, there's some fear around that. You're trying to find the right husband and the mate. Uh, if that doesn't work, then, you know, I was a single mother for a little while. And um, that was the worst. I tell, every, I tell all women, listen, don't just leave your marriage because he's a man. He's a man. He's a man. So, he, you know, men are not women. They're different. So you just need to try to help them understand you. I, you just don't get divorced because it's, it's easier because it's not, it's literally not easier. I, single motherhood is not something that I would wish on anyone. Um, so that phase, that was a, a, a phase where um, I feel like I learned that, uh, what did I say? I can do anything. I think that was it. Um, and then the third phase was really the transition where I understood all, how it all, the purpose of it all and why I went through it all and how I can use all of those things to help other people and to benefit other people. I think this last phase is less selfish, uh, less self-focused and more purposeful. And not everybody gets to get to 50. I know classmates have passed away. Um, I know people's husbands woke up or just didn't wake up one morning. I know two ladies whose husbands just didn't make it, not because they were sick, because they just died all of a sudden. Um, and so not everybody gets to be this age. And so I, I, this is the age of thankfulness. It's the age of I want to give as much as I can give before I die. I live every day not expecting tomorrow because I might not wake up tomorrow. So did I live today the best way I can and encourage whoever I could as I went? Um, so I think this last phase is just a phase of purpose, I would call it. This is a question that I've asked myself, mm -hmm. and I think it helps me put things in order that yeah. maybe I wouldn't have come to the same realizations yeah. that I have in, in this part of my life without having gone through all the bullshit yeah. earlier in life. Yeah. And I, I don't know. Do you think we'd be doing people a disservice by trying to shove all our wisdom into them before they make those mistakes? Or, I mean, I think it is important yeah. to fall on your face every once in a while. I'm so glad you said that because that was actually my, my, the, my heart when I first started the F50 Woman uh, podcast and movement was that I wanted to help young women not make this mistake that I made or that other women made. And the more stories that I heard about all the women who are 50 and over and all the things they went through and what they learned from it, I actually started to understand exactly what you just said, that we, it's almost like we have to go through it. That's part of the life process, because if I just save you from everything, what did you learn? But, you know, 
bring me some chicken. I'm hungry. You know, you just be <laughs> asking people to bring you stuff. <laughs> you wouldn't really have it. You won't have any of your own muscles. Yeah, and then I think of the, uh, the idea of the, the chick, chick and the egg, how they show that if the chick, if you open up the egg for the chick before it comes out, it dies. But when the chick is in the egg and it has to eat its way out, you know, that's not only its nutrients, but that helps to give it its muscle so it can survive. So, yeah, I, I'm really struggling with that exact concept, actually, because I'm thinking we, we really can't and we don't want to save people. We want to save them from really big stuff. You know, we don't want them to get maimed or, you know, get kill somebody while they're drunk dri driving drunk, that kind of stuff. But some things, I, I, I absolutely agree. And I'm really struggling with that, actually, because um, that's the time you come and you say, well, maybe I have to reformulate my ideas here and figure out what that purpose really is. Maybe we're just, we just stand still and let people know we're here to help you and advise you when you get in the trouble and how to get out. And, and, and I don't know, that's a really great thought because I think that's absolutely true. Because if we didn't go through what we went through, I know I wouldn't be here now. I'd still be trying to fit in the size two jeans, trying to figure out, you know, how I can look cute and take care of me. What do I want? <laughs> you know? Uh, this is what came to mind during this little interaction mm -hmm. is that, yes, we can stand by and, and be there for them coach them through whatever difficulties but also i think an important uh space that we could hold is one of acceptance of yeah that's that's normal you're gonna screw up yeah maybe go a little easier on yourself yeah look at this as a really big opportunity for you to learn something very valuable yeah that can make the difference for the rest of your life yes 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 and yes light bulb <laughs> yeah that's great yes because boy we go through it and we beat ourselves up and we think it i'm not okay and it's not okay and um and I'm stupid and nobody would ever do that. Nobody understands and nobody's going through this, but we, we, there are lots of people going through it. And what did you learn from it? What can you share? Who can you support? Yeah. Light bulb moment. Yes. <laughs> yeah, I, I, I think about this and, and I'm, the, Think about the mistakes, the, the big ones that you've made. And yeah. ha, was there ever a time that somebody came along and just put their arm around you and said, hey, it's going to be okay. Yeah. Go easy yeah. on yourself. Hmm. Let me think. I can think of one, yeah, I can think of one time when, when I was younger, when I was a younger girl, I was absolutely devastated because, and I know this is a little different because it might not be a mistake, but I was devastated because I didn't get into a play and it was not really about the play. It was about 
feeling like I didn't fit in. I didn't know what group I fit, in, fit into. And it was just a whole lot of drama. But I think I cried for an entire day. And my mother took, got me up and took me out to lunch and basically said that it's okay. It's okay. You know, helped you to know that this is just a phase and it's going to be okay. But I think I would have loved to have more of that along the way. Um, you know, I, I say that I tell people that I'm divorced and I am not proud. It is not a proud moment. It is not a proud thing. I wouldn't wish it on anyone. It's miserable. It, your, your money suffers, your kids suffer, you suffer. It's just miserable. Of course, you, we, we learn things from it. But I would have liked somebody to come and say, you know what, it's okay. It's okay. It happens. Um, help your children to know that they're okay. You know, something so I could have, because I know they went through a lot of trauma because I didn't, I was just miserable. I didn't know how to help you. I'm miserable. So yeah, to have that person to say, hey, your kids are going to need you right now. So I know you're feeling drama, but why don't you try to help them or talk to them? You know, just some of that guidance. They probably would have still been hurt, but maybe they would have been hurt less long. Yeah. So I thank you. I told you a light bulb moment. I don't know. I'm gonna have to. I'm gonna have to put your name on that one. Yeah. <laughs> Dave says, and he's right. He's right. <laughs> I, I just. I think that maybe that's something for all of us to think about when we recognize yeah. somebody going through something. Just take that that moment to to talk to them and, yes. and let them know it's going to be okay. Cause I think that's kind of uncomfortable for, for most it of them. Like, I think it would be pretty uncomfortable for me to go talk to somebody and say, Hey, it's going to be okay. Yeah. Yeah. yeah Cause I mean, yeah. you, you kind of have to, you've got to have some confidence to, I think, talk to yeah. somebody that's, that's going through something and not be yeah. afraid of, them going, get out of my face. You know, what do you know? Yeah. Right. Yeah. Completely rejecting you and yeah, throwing it back on you. Yeah. Because I mean that's but you know you that's a normal fear, right? That that fear yes, of is. failure for everybody. Yeah. But if you have that experience, you could how valuable would that be just to yeah. put your arm around somebody? You could yeah. change you could change so much for them. Yes, really good. And people are needing it and wanting it more than you think. You know, people walk around like they have a, a, a shell, but they really love when you come in their world and help them just to know they're okay. And I'll share a story that came back to me as you're talking. I remember I was uh, with my two little ones. They were both, I had a double stroller because they were both toddlers. And I was in a train station. I lived in Washington, D.C. So I was in the train station. I was on the phone talking to my ex-husband about something. I don't know, but it was just, it was a miserable something. And so I was talking back and forth and I ended up crying. So I hung up the phone and I left. That's when we had pay phones. So I hung it up on the wall. Hopefully the young people know what that is, <laughs> pay phone. And I hung up on the wall and I walked, turned around and went to push my children in their little stroller. God knows what they were thinking, watching their mommy sitting there crying. I don't, I, that's what I wish people could have helped me with back then. But this woman came out of nowhere and she didn't really ask me a lot of questions. She just said, I don't know what you're going through right now, but I'm going to pray for you. She put her hand on my shoulder, just like you're saying. She put her hand on my shoulder and she prayed for me. I don't know who this woman was, but I, 
I didn't, I didn't walk home crying the whole way. I was like, okay, okay, let's move on to the next thing now. You know, journey didn't stop there and I wasn't jumping on rainbows after that. But just that act that you just talked about, take a moment. I didn't, you know, she could have been afraid that I'd be like, what are you doing? You know, or, or do something like that. But she came over and she just said, she didn't ask me a lot of questions. She just said, I don't know what you're going through, but I'm going to pray for you. So, you know, if you don't pray, go up to somebody and say, I don't know what you're going through, but if you want to talk, I'm here. If not, it's going to be okay. Something. You'll be surprised that people in need really accept just the moment of gentleness and understanding. Yeah. You're a genius. <laughs> well, because I, I yeah, think I was, this has been a collaboration here. So Okay. <laughs> <laughs> it's, it's so great, though, because I really was genuinely struggling with that idea. Like, I don't think we we're supposed to save people from life it's life and you don't learn anything if you don't go through life i have a 15 year old daughter mm -hmm. and i think about there's there's statistics there's research around this where women tend to wait until they are a hundred percent qualified for a position mm -hmm. before they go for the promotion. Whereas yeah. men are comfortable with 60% of the qualifications. Yes. How asinine is that? You know? <laughs> yes. But, I do that now, by the way. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And, and what they attribute that to is how we tend to be more protective of, of our daughters than our sons. Yeah. It's true. Where yeah. You know, I I know that I was very protective of her. And yeah. with my nephews, I'd watch them get hurt. Yeah. You know, yeah. You're gonna be dumb, you better be tough. You know? Yes. <laughs> yes. <laughs> it's but, true. Yeah. But what that does, I think, is puts this unnecessary. A cautious mentality yeah that i mean women that wait until they've got a hundred percent qualifications before they go for something i guarantee yeah. you they were ready years before for that position you know right yeah and, and yeah just go for it yeah. Yeah. I agree. I I heard that and I it is absolutely true. You 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 look at the job postings and you're like, okay, yeah, but I can't do that. I've never done that, so I can't do that. Let me find one that I can do. Um so after a while I just said, I'm just going to apply. Who cares? The worst they can tell me is no. <laughs> and I could take no. It's okay. But yeah, I heard that too, but later on in my life and I did have to get to a level of confidence where listen, I don't have many years left, so what am I going to lose? But I think that's true overall for the majority of women, yes. Yeah. It, it wouldn't have been harmful if you had had somebody saying, look, you can do it. Right. No, it wouldn't have been. 
because again, you'll go for it. And the worst thing, the worst thing that happens is, is they say, no, I would pick somebody else, yeah. but they might just say yes. Yeah. yeah. This has been, I, you know, I knew it was going to be a good conversation. I just, mm -hmm. uh, I had a, I had a feeling and, but I, I wasn't expecting like this, like this is mm -hmm. really cool. This um, was wonderful. Yes. We've covered a lot of ground. I mean, yeah. you've shared so much with me. Mm -hmm. Is there anything that you can think of some, mm -hmm. some parting words to pass on to the, the people listening? I would say for the younger younger generation yeah younger generation think about who you are just and this, this could probably go for anybody because maybe you didn't figure this out yet but think about who you are just naturally what you like what you're like um and i i'm going to share this i'm going to share a little bit of background why i say this because when i was a younger person I, i'm just naturally feminine I like to laugh. I like to smile. I like to encourage people. I, you know, I like the gentle stuff. But my, I admired my dad so much. He was very masculine, very go in the room and take charge kind of guy. And so I tried to emulate that. If I want to be successful, I have to be like my dad. And it took me years and years and years to realize that just didn't work for me. It was, I think people could tell I was being inauthentic. That's another word we use a lot nowadays. But they could tell that it just wasn't me. You know, if somebody comes in the room and tries to act cool, but you know they're not really cool. So you're sort of like, mm, I don't know if I really want to hang out with them because that's weird. Whatever they're doing is weird. So I think people can tell when you're trying to be something else. So figure out who you are. Do you like to smile? Are you more serious? Are you introverted? Are you extroverted? And just be that which you're made to be and figure out how to use that to get to where you're going. Similar to the purpose that you spoke about. You know, you, you know your purpose is to help other people. Take that wherever you go. Figure out where you want to use it. And I, I feel like when I accepted who I was, you know, I'm a girl, I like to encourage people and I don't care if we go in them meetings with the, I don't care if we go in those meetings with the, with the contractors who, who are hard and mean, and because, you know, they've had to push their way through the site. I don't know why, why it tends to be that way, but I'm not that way. So we'll just, I'm just going to go in the room the way I am. So long story short, really take some time to re figure out who you, who you are naturally. What's your nature? What's your history? Where do you come from? Figure out your own story. So then you can be in every room you go into, who you are to doing the best you can doing the thing. Because who you are and the thing you do are not married. I am the personality I am, and I can take it to the construction site, I can take it to the, um, to the conference room, I could take it to the lunch room, and this is who I am. Now, you have to, if you're giggly, you know, you can't go in a conference room and just giggle all the time. We have to tone ourselves down for the right environments. So you have to transform it a little bit, but you don't change it to try to be more masculine because you feel like it's a masculine profession or environment. Um, so I think that would be my, my biggest 
message to the world. Figure out who you are and be that in every environment you're in. Thank you so much for having this conversation with me and, and sharing your story with, with the audience. And yeah. uh, I, just, I really appreciate it. I appreciate you taking the time to talk with me. Yeah, thank you so much for having me on. And I am, you just don't know, over, over the moon thankful for our conversation because, you know, just it just helped to clarify the truth of life. Thank you for listening to this episode of From Embers to Excellence. Please like and subscribe to my YouTube channel. Follow me on your favorite podcast platform and visit hollenbachleadership.com for additional content. My goal is and always will be to add value to as many people as possible. So if I can be of any assistance to you or someone you know, please connect with me via email or on one of my social media accounts linked on the homepage of my website. Remember, our failures don't define us unless we let them, and the only true measure of a leader is the success of their team.